Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Shift Show, where my number one goal is to bring you guys the tools, the latest science, and the ideas to help you change athletes' lives. My name is Dave Tilly, and today we are going to go with another question and answer episode. Uh, people have really been liking these, and I enjoy doing them a ton, too. So keep them coming. If you have questions, please feel free to head to the uh, Shift Show podcast kind of page so www.shiftmovementscience.com backslash podcast um i think these are really helpful people say that they enjoy kind of taking a very small 15 to 20 minute chunk and then you know thinking on a question or bringing up at a staff meeting or bringing it up in with their gymnasts and asking them their opinion so uh, i i think that these help people out a lot and that's really cool i i thank everyone for listening the podcast has grown significantly in the first couple months since it's been launched and I just really appreciate people taking the time to listen uh, and give me kind of positive feedback. So anything you guys want to learn about, just let me know in the uh, questions and we'll keep this thing rolling, alternating between the longer form content, the interviews, the lectures, whatever, and also these kind of shorter 15 to 20 minute episodes. So usually we do three, but uh, one of these questions is pretty epic. So we're going to keep it to two. So Antonio from IG Instagram, uh, he says, do you have any tips for lower back pain and how to prevent it? Now, this was submitted through Instagram and um, I I asked it under a gymnastic specific kind of podcast question answer. So we're going to go in that light. Um, So this is... It's it's interesting when you look at the literature because the literature says that ankle sprains and lower body injuries are the most common problem in gymnastics in terms of the rates of injuries. And I don't know, man. It's really hard for me to agree. I don't know one gymnast who hasn't had back pain in 20 years that I've been involved in gymnastics. Um, it's I, I think that I think that back pain is probably the most common injury that's not diagnosed properly. Whether that's because gymnasts don't speak up because they're stubborn or they don't want to stop training or maybe people don't admit that it's really a problem and it spirals into a huge issue and i'm always kind of blown away when people are like i can't believe you had a stress fracture like that's uh, we didn't think it was that bad and i was like well you said you had back pain for six months like it's been slowly getting worse and worse and worse and you know you you back pain three thousand times per month it's kind of a little bit of a no-brainer in terms of why it happened, but um, for whatever reason, it's still a huge problem. I think there's a ton of different uh, types of back pain that we're learning about. People assume that only backbending is what causes back pain in gymnasts, and the reality is that there's different forms of back pain in terms of what types of skills bother them. So um, I guess I kind of, instead of answering three questions a little bit shorter, I I sat and I thought for a little bit about the biggest issues with back pain and kind of tips for people to look out for in terms of prevention, but also, you know, maybe what to do in terms of athletes start to have back pain. So um, as is common with many of these questions, the first tip that I'll give is it's always kind of come back to culture and communication. And I probably sound like a broken record by now saying this, but the reality situation is that if someone doesn't feel the trust in their coach, parent, medical provider, friends, whoever themselves to speak up that their back is hurting more than normal. And it's not just like muscular soreness that usually goes away after a day that it's actually pain with like skills and they're having a tough time kind of staying in training. Um, that not being spoken about and respected as a real issue to be handled is by far going to be bigger than any exercise or program you do for prehab, right? So that has to be the first thing that happens is do you have a culture that supports people feeling comfortable to tell you when they don't feel like their back is a normal soreness that it's actually pain 
and then vice versa is there a culture that supports you know understanding and changing the training a little bit for the couple days or talking with medical providers talking with parents and you know takes the time to explain this needs to be handled now because if we don't address it it's going to come back again and again and again so open communication and transparency is definitely important i I, trust me as a coach i know it's extremely challenging to deal with a lot of athletes who have different issues um it can be hard to balance the pressure of competing getting new skills and, and pressure from people to make progress when athletes struggle with these injuries but you know you just got to embrace reality and deal with it right like these things happen everybody has injuries everybody has kids that get sore we work with young developing athletes in an extremely demanding sport so the sooner you just face up to it and deal with it and don't make it a weird thing that you know someone should feel bad about the better so that's kind of the biggest first thing. Uh, number two is you have to really understand the concept of workloads and periodization. I think back pain tends to come up when sometimes we don't respect the rotation of light, medium, and heavy intensity days uh, through the periodization model. And then we also don't respect the workloads of having some system to track and count the number of high provoking skills that athletes do. So typically back pain comes up with repetitive hyperextension, so back bending, repetitive impact, compression, or some sort of deep, deep rounding of the back or flexion so if athletes have a a pattern of issues that come up to say well it hurts when i do you know a male gymnast hurts when i do peaches and in bars and stalders and it also happens when i do double flipping skills because i tuck up into a ball um you say okay well you know that's going to get cleared by a medical provider i need you to make sure you're safe for training and do the right rehab but when you come back and when we start building your program we have to be very sensitive to those types of motions because that was that was the irritated factor for you so if someone has a rounding position that's the provocative factor versus landing versus extension or rotation you have to really respect that those are the issues that they're going to be most provocative with and you kind of build the program around that so when it comes down to workloads you say okay i want you to do Uh, five of these skills, but I don't want you to go more than eight, right? And that gives you the idea of a cap of that. Even if it's going to progress all the way up to eight, if they don't go past eight, well, you know that maybe balancing that with not so many on one event versus the total event scheme, you'll kind of understand that you're limiting someone per day, which then averages to limiting them per week versus okay, everybody just do this skill for 45 minutes, you know, until you get it right. Just keep going until you get it right because you have to, right? Sometimes it's better to take a step back, revisit a drill, revisit a technique, you know, hang it up for a day, come back tomorrow, try it again. You know, like there's many times when it's better probably just to, you know, understand the reasons behind why it's not going well and fix those things and come back another day than it is to just keep banging your head against the wall and try to make it happen in one setting. So um, workloads and periodization would be number two. Number three is you need to screen somebody as soon as they start to complain of pain. I've written some articles about what coaches can do when someone starts to complain of pain. There's a variety of different basic screens that if somebody has pain for more than three days, it hurts with certain movements. Um, They continue to have irritation despite modifying training. That's when you want to send somebody to a medical provider to make sure that nothing is going seriously wrong. They don't have any you know, start of a stress fracture, they don't have any disc issues, they don't have any, you know, extreme sensitivity with certain motions. So if somebody complains of pain, you want to just kind of get them into the right hands quickly. So you can, you know, it can become a two week issue and not a, you know, a two month plus issue. So that would be number three. Uh, number four is I would say a lot of back pain happens because there's issues above or below uh, that don't hurt necessarily, but they're contributing to the issue. So for example, a, a hyperextension fracture of the back, so a spondy or a pars anticularis fracture, tends to happen when the, the couple segments of the back are getting pushed into excess motion uh, because something above and below is not moving. So when you look at the back, shoulders, the upper back, and the hip should all move as much as the lower back. So 
if someone is stiff in their shoulders and they can't get back to a walkover or whatever it is, their back might bend more. Okay, if somebody is extremely flexible and just doesn't have the strength or the proper technique to bend in a way that uses core control and uses their shoulders and their hips more than their lower back, that might cause the exact same thing of their lower back bending more just because they're super flexible and they're trying to show off or I don't know why it might be, but they're just bending all from their back. And okay, that person needs to be addressed with a certain technique. They either need to go do mobility work, clear their shoulders up, or they need to do some more drills, do some more strength conditioning, do more physical prep, do more technique work, because it's not gonna go well if they just keep doing backbend after backbend, right? In the opposite direction, someone who has issues with landings, maybe they just don't land correctly. Maybe they have great mobility and they understand you know, strength and conditioning, they do the hard work, but they just don't actually land correctly. So they land with a rounded back and it puts a lot of pressure on their spine. So again, clearing up any issues above or below, take a really good look at the hips, take a really good look at the shoulder, soft tissue flexibility of the hips, quads, adductors, then also strength of the glutes, strength of the core is very, very important. And then moving right on past that, just extreme dedication to basics and shapes and technique, right? You can have the most incredible prehab physical preparation program in the world. But if athletes are not understanding and using proper body tension with basic shapes and technique when they swing or when they tumble, well, the force is going to rock them, right? So if you don't teach the athletes how to be stiff on the springboard or be tight when they swing on the rail or be nice and tight when they land to absorb force, well, that is going to be a huge issue. They're going to continuously irritate the structures of their back. And I have a lot of athletes who are like, I'm doing all the flexibility. I'm doing all the strength and conditioning. I'm doing all this. Like I, I'm not getting any better. And then we watch their technique and I'm like, well, you're, you're, you know, whipping your head out when you do this, or you're, you're not really using your hips at all. And they go, oh yeah, well, you know, I just, I don't know. I just kind of chuck stuff. And I'm like, okay, well that's, that's the problem. You know, you're not, you're not putting in the hours and hours and hours needed to master basic technique and basic body tension, fix that first. And then all of that kind of work in the strength and conditioning will show up. Okay. So moving on past that, the next thing I'll say is obviously making sure that if someone has an issue, they're dealt with with a medical provider, but that they are very slowly and appropriately stressed leading back into training. So doing a lot of physical preparation when they get back, a lot of flexibility work, counting the numbers and progressing things from softer surfaces to harder surfaces, low numbers to higher numbers, low complexity skills to higher complexity skills over like weeks, right? Not like days, but like maybe four to six weeks, they slowly build back up over time. They don't just go crazy and go, you know, first day I have quote unquote cleared from medical providers and then all of a sudden I'm I'm back in full training. You're gonna wake up very, very sore. So and then lastly, I would say just keep consistency on their maintenance care programs. If someone has a back injury, they have to always make sure they're, you know, filling in their uh physical preparation with extra exercises for their core, or their hips, or their shoulders, or whatever was the issue. They're doing soft tissue work every day because they get a little bit stiffer as they train. Um, and they're maybe staying up with a medical provider every month or so as a maintenance care visit to keep tabs on what's going on. So um, a, lot of, a lot of things there, probably six or seven that I think go into it, but you know, all of those make a huge difference. So if you're having someone if you're someone who continuously has athletes who have back pain or you know you're worried about it and you want to prevent it because it's such a big issue, I, I would start with really thinking a lot about those. And um, the next one here uh, comes from Elite Recovery LMT on Instagram. Um, this is less of a tactical question and I think about more about for me personally, which is kind of cool. It says, what's one thing that you would have improved about your own competition gymnastics experiences? And uh, this was really cool for me. I, I guess I've never 
I've never been asked about what I would change personally, which is super interesting for just a background. I was definitely not a high level gymnast. I was very, very average until, you know, college and even then some not even progressing well until my later years. Um, I was lucky to have an awesome coach, Tony, who uh, really instilled a lot of great values in me and taught me work ethic and dedication. It's probably the reason why I stayed so, you know, consistent in training because he was a good dude. Um, but the environment allowed me to continue to train well. And looking back on it, I think there's probably... I think there's two things that are really important to me. So number one is I think that I would probably do it for slightly different reasons. When I was younger and I was in middle school and high school, I, like many gymnasts I coach now and like other people who I see, um, I was doing it more for other people's opinions and thoughts of me than it was just you know me getting better. Um, I unfortunately fell victim to a lot of comparison and trying to be better than other people and I had quite a large ego and so I was always trying to kind of feed that with showing off new skills or pushing super hard when maybe I should have been spending more time on mastering the basics and I think it caused me a lot of extra undue stress that undermined my performance quite a bit. So if I could go back and talk to myself again, I would say, you know, find a way to kind of block the noise out and tunnel vision yourself towards, you know, you getting better compared to you, not, you know, kind of going back and forth and, and looking at other people and seeing what it is. And um, I think that that probably would have helped me quite a bit in terms of getting skills. Um, and so I think that I would probably read a little bit more. I would have tried to find some sports like books. I would have tried to find some motivational things that it would have helped me kind of secure that. I, I was fortunate to do that a lot as I grew older, but um, I think I missed a, a big window there where I could have, uh, could have done that a, a little bit better. And, and now I guess it's, it's as a hindsight as a coach is we have a, a public library, we kind of call it. And I put a bunch of books and sports psych things in, in our little shelf that the athletes can take out and read. And we try to send them more, like, you know, little tidbits here and there, or do a whiteboard session and talk about these things. So I guess it kind of worked out in my coaching career, but that's probably one thing that I would do on the more kind of meta level. I think on the actual ground level tactical, I would definitely have spent more time in reading for like recovery and nutrition. It's something that I never got exposed to properly. Um, and I wish that someone had just kind of either pointed me in the right direction of someone that I could work with, or maybe I would have listened to someone who told me because I can't think off the top of my head if that ever happened. Um, but I think that it, I, I never really had a problem with trying to train and be in the gym because, again, I, I had a gym and a coach that supported a healthy approach to hard work. And I think that's really uh, a really good thing for kids. But I, I seem to really fall apart in terms of knowing, you know, how to recover well, what to eat, you know, you know, how much should I be rolling out or stretching or what can I do to not be a sore? And, you know, I always had these like, like as many young gymnasts did, I just had always had was plagued by injuries. That's how I became a PT. Um, but I think that if I had spent more time reading about how to take care of myself and maybe changing what was happening outside of the gym or maybe changing some of the hours that I had in the gym to be more, you know, maintenance care and, and preventative in nature, I, I would have been much better off in my later years. So, um, yeah. So I think those are two things that I probably would have done is just, uh, you know, the motivational aspect, but then also like the recovery aspect and nutrition. So I'm lucky now that I have some friends that have taught me more and I do it and try to pass that on to my athletes. But uh, I guess hindsight is 2020. So that's it. We're going to keep it to two questions today because that first one on back pain was pretty monstrous. So uh, if you guys are enjoying these episodes and you want to hear more, what you can do is just head over to uh, shiftmovementscience.com backslash podcast and you can submit questions. You can also see all the previous question and answer episodes that I have up on there. Um, but yeah, please pass this along to your community. Please rate and review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you're watching it through, listening to it through. Um, and just give me some feedback because I really enjoy hearing from everybody and trying to continue to grow uh, this thing as, as big as it can because I think it helps a lot of people. So I uh, hope you guys have a great day.
Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to that episode. I hope that you really enjoyed it and got a lot of value out of it. I just want to let you know before we sign off here that a couple things we'd love you to do. So one is please just make sure that you rate and review the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you're listening, because that really does help the episode grow quite a bit. And then second, if you really enjoyed this episode, we would love if you left us a review as well and told us what you liked about it. You know, what information was useful, what things were not useful, would you like to know more about, what guests do you want to have on in the future. And then also as you kind of go about your day, if you found something really useful, just toss it up on social media. We love to hear from people on Instagram or Twitter or, you know, all the different websites that they're using for social media. Facebook is great too. But yeah, let us know what you like because honestly, the podcast comes from people who just tell us what they're finding useful and that's how we create the next set of content. So yeah, tag us in the podcast or tag us online, whatever you're doing it and uh, let us know what you think. Thanks.